All right, good morning, everybody. And I tell you, with this uh, uh, cool temperature in this room, kind of reminds, reminds me of my house right now because my furnace went out on Friday. Uh, so I think what we need to do is stand up and do about 15 jumping jacks to get our butts <laughs> circulating. <clears throat> huh? <laughs> any rate, now, now that I'm going, <clears throat> I haven't had my coffee yet. Ah, welcome, everybody. Um, this is a beautiful day. Glad we don't have the temperatures that they have up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And it's a sad day for Green Bay Packer fans. But at any rate, that, put that aside. <clears throat> Announcements for today. Don't forget, we've got uh, the Christian Fellowship Group. Is one is? Are we about due for one? The Christmas things, okay. So that constitutes your fellowship group. Unless anybody wants to come up and do extra things, which always is Yeah, okay. And you know, you're probably wondering why I'm up here giving the announcements. Uh, Wayne is recovering. Um, he had a hip replacement, and when talking to his daughter, um, Sounded like it was only like an hour and a half, two hour surgery, which was a lot quicker than his very first one. And they had him <laughs> up and walking around. I guess he did about 300 feet. And so he's, I believe he's home now and, and uh, all that, and that is good. So I thought I'll just do the announcements because I'll read uh, the Hope for Each Day right after that and we'll just keep going. Um, Bible study. Uh, you know, Robert and Linda have been sick, so I'm not sure the status of their studies for the week. Um, she's she's going to uh, play it by ear on Monday to see if she's canceling or Okay, so if you have any questions and you have any interest of contemplating coming to the study, maybe give her a call and find out where she's at with that. <clears throat> and then don't forget uh, Thursday night prayer and potluck praise. Um Little as much when God is in it. I guess there was four people here uh, Thursday night. Um, again, Bible study. Maybe check with Robert to see where he's at with, uh, with his men's Bible study. Um, folks, a lot of people are in need of food this time of year. When you're at the store, if you can just pick up some extra things, if it's available on the shelf. Um, you know, when, it's, when the shelves are thin at the store... You kind of figure that the food banks, those shelves are probably even thinner. And now is the time to really reach out and touch people with, uh, with some groceries. Um, and I think that might about do it. Anybody else have any announcements? Nobody else wants to leave jumping jacks? <laughs> All right. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you for this day that you have provided for us, for the, the sun that rose this morning, and we think about the sun that rose many years that, uh, ago that was able to bring us the salvation that we um, have the privilege and honor of um, having. And I just ask that your Holy Spirit be upon us today, um, lead us, direct us, and open our hearts to your word today. In Jesus' name, amen.
life after death. For me to live as Christ is to die is gain. Scientists have been answering questions concerning life after death, and most of them say, we just don't know. Science deals with formulas and test tubes, but there is a spiritual world science knows nothing about. Because many do not believe in the life after death, their writings are filled with tragedy and pessimism. The writings of William Faulkner, James Joyce, and many others are filled with pessimism, darkness, and tragedy. Sadly, the same was often true of their lives. How different from Jesus Christ who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And whoever believes in me shall never die. Our hope of uh, immortality is based on Christ alone, not on our desires, longings, arguments, or instincts of immortality. And because we know Christ is alive, we have hope. Hope for the present and a hope for the life beyond the grave. And the hope for today, Jesus came to break every chain. He conquered the grave so that you wouldn't live in fear of death any longer. To live is Christ and to die is gain. It is a win-win for Christ followers. And with that, let's step into the place of worship. Lord, I lift your name on high. Show the way from the earth to the cross. 
The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And now please rise and join me for the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hear the voice of Jesus. 
Testament reading for today. It's 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, in this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this love, not only that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. We have a responsive reading. It's in your bulletin. I think it's on the screen. I'm not used to being here, so I don't know where the screen is. <laughs> With all my heart, I praise you, Lord. In the presence of angels, I sing your praises. I worship at your holy temple and praise you for your love and your faithfulness. When I asked you for your help, you answered my prayer and gave me courage. All the kings on this earth have heard your promises, Lord, and they will praise you. They will sing about the things you have done. Though you are above us all, you care for your humble people, and you keep a close watch on everyone who is proud. You protect me against my enemies. With your own powerful arm, you keep me safe. You, Lord, will always treat me with kindness, your love never fails. Amen. And now we have a prayer of offering. Father God, we come to you with the things that we have done with our hands and offer them up to you, our first fruits. We ask you to please accept them with the love that in which we offer them and be with us at all times. In Jesus' name, amen.
Columbus Vista. I, I'm always reminded of Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains, but where does my strength come from? It comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. How many of you remember that song? Nobody listens to Christian radio. Mm. Well, it is uh, a little aged. It uh, was recorded in 2002. Um, I would be very surprised if there are not some of you who remember the original song. It was actually written in 1917 by Frederick Lehman and uh, his daughter. But the verse you just heard was an original poem that dates all the way back to the 11th century. It was a Hebrew liturgy. And uh, the song came to be when a scribbling was discovered on an asylum wall. Uh, actually an insane asylum wall. And uh, the person who had occupied that cell had died, and as they were cleaning the cell for the next inhabitant, they noticed this scribbling on the wall. Turns out it is a verse from this aged liturgy. And Frederick Lehman, uh, put melody to it, and added a couple of stanzas in 1917. I first heard it when I was 16. Uh, I won't tell you how many years ago that was. Quite a few. I'll, I'll uh, recite that verse for you again. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the... Uh, marvelous freedom that we still enjoy to assemble together
to worship you, to praise you, and to encourage each other in the faith. We thank you for this privilege. We pray it will continue. We ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. To understand the depths of God's love for us, we need to understand something about who he is. John 1.1. In the beginning was the word. Actually, I like the NLT translation better. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word? Yes, amen. He has a name, Jesus. Secondly, we need to understand something about creation. John 1, 3, and 4, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, God the Father created everything through him, Who's him? Jesus. God the Father created everything through Jesus and nothing was created except through Jesus. What does that tell us? The Father in the person of Jesus Christ created everything. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are inseparable. If you read Genesis, you read that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit hovered over the deep. It was a joint effort. The triune being, through Christ Jesus, created everything. The word Jesus gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. I looked at that Greek word, everyone, and guess what? It means everyone. It means every last one of us. But notice, nothing was created that was not created by Christ. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, Nothing created shall ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Satan's created. Neither he nor his minions can separate us from the love of God in Christ. I wish Linda were here because I'm going to quote one of her favorite verses. Romans 1.20, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Let's take a closer look at what God has created. It will leave us in awe. When you consider that we are only one of 200 billion galaxies, we just can't wrap our heads around that. Does anybody here know what a picosecond is? 
Ah, we have an astrophysicist among us. Excellent, excellent. It took, now this is from a Christian astrophysicist, and he said it took picosecond accuracy to create the cosmos. To put that in layman's terms, Creator God had to be able to hit a one-inch target from 20 billion miles away. Picosecond accuracy. Technically, that's one trillionth of a second. Or, the length of an object traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, an object traveling at the speed of light, the time it would take it to cross a human hair. Did you realize that when you look up into the night sky, you're not seeing any star or any planet, not even our sun or moon, in real time? You're looking into the past. The closest star to our planet is 4.3 light years away. That means every star that you look, the closest star you look at in the night sky, its light took 4.3 years to reach your retina. We're looking back in time. Some of those stars that we see shining stopped burning a thousand years ago. We're looking back in time. How vast is God's creation? It's incomprehensible. John 1 verse 14. So the Word became human and made His home among us. I love the message translation. It says, the Word took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Max Lucado says, Jesus is our next door Savior. He's pitched a tent. You can literally translate that verse. God has pitched a tent in your backyard. Now, when I was in North Dakota, I was speaking on that in a men's group, and one crusty old farmer raised his hand, and he says, well, if he pitched a tent in my backyard, it wouldn't have been in winter. And if he did, he wouldn't have stayed long. <laughs> we have beheld his glory. So the word became human made his home among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, and therefore we have no excuses. God walked among us for 2,000 years. He walks among us still. In the lives of his followers, we can see his face. Yet there are those who still refuse to believe, people who say, but I've never seen his glory. 
I've never seen his face. Even the scriptures say no man has seen God and lived. In 2013, an astrophysicist working on the uh, Hubble spacecraft discovered an object that mystified him. It is now called Hamilton's object, named after him. What he discovered at about 7 billion light years away was a galaxy that was actually mirrored juxtaposed, this is a galaxy, there was a, a, an exact mirror replica of the same galaxy right next to it. How can this be? It took three teams of researchers six years to figure out that the gravitational pull of the planets, Einstein said as much, can bend light. In this case, the gravitational pull had actually folded that image back onto itself. And he saw two identical galaxies side by side. They call that dark matter. And the scientists will admit that they don't know what dark matter is. They just know that it has energy. Uh, they know its characteristics, but they don't know what it is. I think they do, they just haven't put two and two together. About 10 years ago, uh, these scientists who work on the Hubble decided to put a selection of filters on the light that was coming back to them. And then when they did that, they discovered something marvelous. They saw a magnetic string, if you will, going between the planets and the stars, like a spider web would catch a, a fly or an insect in its web, and it's fixed there. It can't move. It's held in place by that spider web. a magnetic spider web that holds the planets in place. I submit that's dark matter. Whatever you call it, God created it. It is marvelous. So I ask you, considering all of this, how great is our God? How vast is his power? How vast is his love? Yet there are still those who say, I've never heard his voice, I've never seen his face. St. Francis of Assisi would argue with that. St. Francis was walking down the byway one day and saw a leper coming toward him. If you know the story of St. Francis, he spent a lot of time with lepers. Leprosy was actually what killed him. But St. Francis felt a prompting from the Lord to go and minister to this leper, so he did. He prayed for him, he encouraged him, 
And as he turned to walk away, he thought of an additional thought that he would like to leave with the leper. He turned and the leper's gone. Disappeared. To his dying day, St. Francis said, I saw Jesus in the face of that leper. I've seen Jesus in the face of a street minstrel, a street preacher in Bozeman, Montana. Had no idea I was entertaining God in angelic form. Until I got back, I was uh, in a church conference and uh, our senior pastor gave us a couple of us a $50 bill and he says, I want you to go out down the street and I want you just to practice being led by the Lord. When the Lord tells you to give that $50 bill to someone, do it and tell them God knows your name. He knows who you are and he wants to bless you with this. Well, the first time I tried that, it was in a coffee bar, and I offered it to the waitress, told her this is a gift from God, and she no, 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 I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. I thought, my, that's, that's interesting. Don't want to take the Lord's money. But the next person I chose to uh, talk to and ultimately gave him the $50 was the street minstrel. He was... Uh, he reminded me of Crocodile Dundee. He had the leather hat, he had a leather vest on, sleeveless leather vest, and no shirt. He had uh, jeans that had the, the chaps on the side of them and uh, the most beautiful steel guitar I've ever seen. And he was missing this tooth. And his breath wasn't all that fresh. But I looked into his eyes and I was mesmerized. And we started talking. And we got on the subject of the, uh, the Jesus people in the 70s. And I told him I was one of them. Elton John wrote a song about me. I was one of those Jesus freaks on the street. I ministered on Hollywood Boulevard. And he said, I was there. I was there. And my heart just lurched. But when I got back to the conference that night, I said, guys, there's this. You've got to meet him. Because I knew there were two ministers there who preached on and trolled that main drag every day. I said, there's a, a street preacher. His name is Elisha Mann. Think about that name for a minute. Elisha Mann. And they looked at me and they said, we do that street twice a day. And we've never heard of anyone like that, never heard that name. You see, you've met Jesus in the flesh too. But you may not have recognized him. You may not have recognized him. We've all entertained angels unaware. But if you remember the story of Jacob, he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. Every time you see the phrase angel of the Lord in Scripture, that's Jesus. An angelic human 
form. So you've met him, chances are you don't remember. You didn't recognize him. If people can't see Jesus in us, can't see his glory shining brightly in our lives, whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? Do we exemplify God's love? 1 Corinthians 13. Are we patient and kind, never jealous or boastful, never proud, never irritable? Do we keep record of the wrongs done to us? Do we rejoice when truth wins out? Do we never give up, never lose hope, never lose faith? No, we're not perfect. But the fact that we try, the fact that we ask God for strength to be a mirror of His grace and love, Father God calls that perfection. So, how do we become mirrors of God's love? Models of His perfection? We must learn to develop a thankful heart. There should be sunshine after rain. There should be joy after sorrow. And Christians should always be thankful. Should always be rejoicing. St. Paul told us that. Always rejoicing. Study the Gospels and you'll find that praise and thanksgiving opens every door. Even jailhouse doors. I uh, must admit, I'm uh, much to my wife's chagrin, a uh, <clears throat> foot, footballaholic. I, uh, this time of year, she's a widow every weekend. But I love Derek Carr of the uh, Oakland Raiders. He is uh, quoted as saying, if we win, that's awesome. If not, I'm still going to glorify God. Have you noticed how many Christians are on the football field these days? They distinguish themselves by painting that black ink, whatever it is on their, under their eyes to shield them from the glaring lights. Most just swipe it horizontal, but the Christians are starting to make a cross out of it. I watched one uh, football player yesterday that had a piercing in his nose. It was a cross. He knew he was going to be focused on by the television audience, so he proudly put a cross on his nose. I thought it was great. But uh, back to us living a life that's thankful. What makes us stand out in a society of complainers? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. 
Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. When hard times come, that's when our light needs to shine its brightest. When you can stand in the freshly turned soil of a loved one's grave and say, God is good. Bless the Lord. That makes you stand out. When your own family turns their back on you because you choose to follow Christ, and you can say, God is good. Bless the Lord. A naysaying world is going to take note. They will see there's something very different about you. When I was a young man, I, uh, I was working with my father in our uh, custom home building business, and a young man came in was asking for work. He was a paper hanger. Paper hangers are dear to my heart because my great-grandfather was a paper hanger. But uh, we, we told him we would uh, give him a shot and to check back with us in a couple of weeks. And in that couple of weeks, I heard that he and his wife had lost their five-year-old son to SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. My next-door neighbor knew this family and, and knew them well because my next-door neighbor was a paper hanger. They came over and told me, did you know that David and his wife lost their five-year-old son? I, I did not know. And my neighbor, she asked me, why does God allow these things to happen? We both had young children. And I think we were both thinking, well, if God will take their son, that, they were Christians. So if God will take their son, what would prevent him from taking my child? I needed answers for my neighbor and for myself. And God led me to Isaiah 61, verse 3. To all who mourn in Israel, that's the church, that's us, to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. And festive praise instead of despair. I quoted that scripture to her. And she accepted Jesus kneeling in my front room at my sofa. God's word reaches into people's hearts. He breaks that crusty shell of a heart open and he abides with us. No matter what happens, God has promised you beauty for ashes. But I did not know that I would soon face this same tragedy. A year later, I lost twins twin girls at birth. And Isaiah 63 had to come off the page. 
It had to come off the page and become alive in my heart. One of my favorite books by C.S. Lewis is A Grief Observed. He wrote about losing his wife to cancer. In it he said, when you lose someone that close to you, you question everything. Even the substance of your faith, you question everything. But God is good. All we have to do is be patient. 23 years later, I had Irish twins. Anybody know what Irish twins are? They're born so close together. In this case, 15 months. They grow up like twins. and They're still very close to this day. God never takes anything from us that he does not replace. Keep the patience. Keep the faith. The greatness of our God is in how he loves. And if we're going to talk about God's love, we have to talk about the prodigal son. I know you all know the story. The young man comes to his father and he said, I want my inheritance now. So the father... uh, Reconciled the books and gave him his inheritance. He goes off to a distant land and he wastes his wealth on wild living. I read that scripture again and I thought, did he really eat from a pig's trough? doesn't say that. But it says he thought about it. He was that hungry that what the pigs were eating looked pretty good. And he came to his senses and said, I'll go home to my father. Even my father's servants never starve and never lack for anything. But when you consider that story, I wonder if you've ever pondered what the father did. Scripture says, Luke 15, chapter 15, while his son was a long way off, Remember that, long way off. The father saw him and was filled with compassion, ran to his son, hugged him, kissed him, and gave his son a gold ring, fine clothes, and told his servants to prepare a feast. A long way off. Do you see the father dragging out his rocking chair and placing it on the front porch every evening of the world? He saw him a long way off. That means he was scoping out the horizon, looking intently, focused on the horizon, looking for his son. And when he saw him, who did the running? It wasn't the son. It was the father. Father God runs to us. Does he chastise us? No. He prepares a celebration, puts a gold ring on our finger and says, welcome home. Welcome home, son. I've missed you every day. Was it chance that the father saw him that evening? No. He was in that rocking chair every evening. You can't see at a distance unless you're focused on that distance. 
You can't see what God is doing unless you're focused. And we can't join Him in what He's doing if we can't see what He is doing. In the Gospels we read that it seems every other page, Jesus stole away to pray. Why? So he could stay in tune with the Father, so he could stay focused, so he could see what the Father was doing. That's Scripture. Jesus said, I watch what God is doing, and I join him. How about us? How about us? What are we doing? God is saving souls. What are we doing? C.S. Lewis, you've never met a mere mortal. Everyone you meet is immortal. A possible god or goddess or a horror the likes of which you only meet in a night. All day long, we are helping everyone we meet to one destination or the other, heaven or hell. Max Lucado. Christianity in its purest form is nothing more than seeing Jesus. Think about that. Christianity in its purest form is nothing but seeing Jesus. Seeing what he is doing. He went on to say Christian service in its purest form is nothing more than imitating him who we see. To see his majesty, to see his great grace, to see his love, and then imitate it. That is the sum of Christianity. So how do we do this? That old maxim that grandma taught you still works. Stay in the Word. Stay on your knees in prayer. Witness every chance you get. And if you have to, use words. Witness by how you live. Romans 12.1. Consider this your benediction for this morning. Romans 12.1. This is from the message. St. Paul is saying, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without ever thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its own level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and develops in you a well-formed maturity.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we would see Jesus. Uh, remind us, Lord, we have to shake off those shackles of self-want. You're what we need, and you will give us all that we desire if we focus on you. Psalm 37. It's a promise that if we will delight in you, you will give us the desires of our heart. But help us understand you will change the desires of our heart to conform with your heart. Lord Jesus, we desire to see you today and every day so that we may imitate who you are, your love, your patience, your kindness. Make it so, Father, in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your love, Lord. Father, open our eyes that we might see you in our lives, Lord, as we go through each day. Lord, that help us to recognize you so that we can share that with others. Help me to be your light that shines, Lord, in this dark world. Help us to see what you're doing, Lord, and um, bless this, this time that we're in, Lord, that, um, that we may be your light, and we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name.